This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. I'm Becky Parker Geist and I'm your host. Audiobook Connection is your place to learn about the audiobook creative process in discussions between the authors, narrators, producers, and post-production teams that bring them all together, as well as guests who have listened to the audiobooks and have questions for the creative teams. This podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Hi, everyone. I want to welcome you to Audiobook Connection and to introduce our guest for today, Jim Parker. Jim is my brother, and he is also the founder and owner of Riverview Studios. He's an internationally acclaimed, award-winning, 42-year veteran filmmaker, and he's produced numerous broadcast programs for public television and places around the world from Sarajevo, Uganda, Europe, Canada, all over the place. And so we're going to get into talking about some of this filmmaking activity that uh, very specifically relates to the work that we do in the audiobook world. Jim, thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, it sounds like fun. Yeah. Yeah, it always is, right? (laughs) So we just collaborated on a project for a client, Larry Klein, playwright, and the resulting piece, film piece, which we did as a hybrid theater and film piece, is launching May 7th, just a couple weeks, about a week out from now. So uh, we're going to dive into that a little bit and like what that process was like and um, and uh, learn a little bit more from your perspective, Jim, on that project. Yeah, it was, it was truly a hybrid project, something that we're, you know, experimenting a little bit. It was kind of cool. Yeah. Just to give our listeners a, some, a little bit of behind the scenes on what was happening there is that we had a theater piece, this play that was going to be done live, but then the pandemic hit and it got put on hold while we tried to figure out how we could bring this piece to life. And what we ended up doing was filming it in the playwright's home, mostly. So this was, uh, well, it's a fantastic house. It also is very limited in terms of the space and specifically like space for all the equipment that goes with filmmaking. Jim, you want to tell us a little bit about what that was like? Well, yeah. I mean, we didn't have a lot of height. We didn't have a lot of room to back up. So what we decided to do was to kind of bring the viewer into the space using a wider angle lens. Now, when we, our eyes, we see things in with, with a wide field of view. We see them in expanded cinemascope, if you will, or cinema. Mm-hmm. And so because the space was tight, I thought if we shoot with a wide angle lens, one that is just, we don't want it to distort. 
but one that, that gives you the widest field of view, which was a 20 millimeter. And um, so by shooting with that wide angle lens, we're close to the actors. We're in the space with the actors because there's really no other space to be. So we're part of it. So the viewer gets to almost feel like they're in the room. And instead of shooting it film style, where we would shoot close-ups and cutaways and everything, we tended to show everything, the whole scene. So the viewer can, can look around the room, can be part of the scene. And, you know, with a high resolution 4K camera, it gave us, it gave us a nice result. And, and it's more like a play than it was like a film because we didn't have the cutaways. Right. Which made it a little challenging to edit because we still had to stitch everything together. Yeah. But, and it's a little bit of getting used to because it's, you're not shooting the same way that you would shoot a, a film, a motion picture. But I think it, it's pretty, it's a pretty cool process. And I guess the result will be that we'll see what the viewers say when they see the yeah. finished piece. I'm so impressed with all the post-production work that you did on that. So some of the stuff that was extraordinary and exciting to watching you do in the moment was figuring out like the lighting, the shadows, you know, and then of course there are challenges with those shadows. Start shooting a scene, they go, oh, nope, couldn't see the shadow of the of the cameraman, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the fact that we were doing these longer scenes was, I think in one way, a greater challenge for everyone involved. Uh, certainly was for the actors, and I know it was, you know, for you. And the fact that we had a very limited number of days to shoot the entire piece. Oh, yeah. 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 It was very much like a play in that respect, yeah. that that you had to know the entire scene to get through that entire scene without breaks. And, right. and that was, I know, it was harder for the actors. It also meant that from the filming standpoint, that I kind of had to anticipate and be able to move. And we did a lot of the filming from a gimbal, which allowed me to move the camera to adapt to the space as the actors moved. Right. Yeah. And with so little extra room in the room to move around, that just also made that extra, extra challenging. Oh, yeah. We had to hide Larry, playwright. Um, <laughs> he, Larry watched every scene. Um, we put him to work, basically. I, I, we wanted to make sure that, that everything was, you know, to his liking, of course. And what I learned is that words matter the way the words are framed. He wrote the script and he wrote it in a way he would like to see it performed. Now, to me, I have less care for, you know, if somebody says things one way or they say it the other, I'm looking for the feeling and the, and the tone and the mood. Larry wanted to have the language right. Yeah. And I don't blame him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was that we we had to balance a little bit. Right. Yeah. But hiding him, you know, out of out of yeah, in the space, around the corner behind a chair, um, you know, under a table. I mean, it, it was <laughs> Yeah. It was uh it was a very interesting process. <laughs> and then one of the things that hopefully won't be obvious in the overall production piece is how we were able to utilize different little nooks and portions of his home to be entirely different houses in the context of the play. 
Well, yeah, it it was a nice setup because there were a number of different spaces that could look slightly different, and by by carefully choosing the the props and the angles. Uh, but you know, I think one of the things that I found really enjoyable was was working with professional actors who not only understood what needed to be done, but um, went out of their way to great lengths to to be accommodating to to make it work. I mean, it was truly a team effort. Right. The whole thing, you know. Right. Even to hold lights and things like that, you know, yeah. when they're, um, you know, just continuity, having an eye to continuity, things like that. Everybody watched for continuity. Yeah. Yeah. And shadows, right. you know, light lighting is shadows. Without shadows, we don't have it, shadows. Create mood. They create the the feeling and the texture. Without shadows, you don't you don't all you have is a flat picture, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not not appealing, not interesting, not exciting. But yeah. we tried to create a mood and a feeling and a the give the viewer a sense of the potential of the space of. Yeah. I think of one of the scenes in particular when it's at the top of the stairs and you had the light coming through the banisters, there the is. banister, you know, the, uh, yeah, is that what you call them? You know, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the, the vertical, rails, so vertical pieces, yeah, yes. uh, creating this sort of bar-like effect. Almost like a prison-like. Yes, yeah. which is very much like the experience of that moment. And I just thought that was like such a great example of how light, can enhance that internal feeling that the actors are are going through. And you know, for me, having the opportunity to be able to truly experiment with with different looks and to try things that that in a commercial shoot I couldn't do because it wouldn't fly. It, you know, it's too exciting, too dramatic, whatever. Right, yeah. Uh, so th- this was a real nice opportunity to play with different techniques and to try different instruments. I- I've always believed that uh, it, the term uh, available light means any light that's available. Uh-huh. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, I apply that to, to my lighting. I like practical lights, which are the lights that you see in the scene. And I try to make the the scene feel like that was what was lighting mm-hmm. the the actors. Right, right. We had a lot of the play took place late afternoon. The opening scene takes place late afternoon, and having that warm, low angle, late afternoon sunlight streaming through the living room window mm-hmm. and remain constant for the five or six hours that we were shooting that <laughs> scene into the night. Yeah, <laughs> but it worked. Yeah. Yeah, it really did. When I'm editing, when I was editing and and looking back at it and realizing that what we shot at five o'clock looked the same as what we shot at 10 p.m., you know, lighting wise, (laughs) it made me feel good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we, I have to say, you know, we had a really, when we went out to the Marin Lagoon to shoot the, the park scene, we had just an incredible cooperation from the geese. I was very impressed. We did not actually have a goose handler, but the cosmic goose handler just did this amazing, we had this amazing moment where we were just starting to shoot a scene when all of a sudden, and the geese had not been present at all. And then all of a sudden, here they came, like in a procession. And we actually stopped and said, 
I said, Jim, I think you might need to turn the camera because, you know, he was pointing, looking at us and we <laughs> turned and he got this just like I said, it was just like a, like a miracle. They just behaved exactly the way we would wanted them to. Yeah, and then they started bathing and ducking under the water and whatever they're doing. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that was great. That's great. But they're, you know, and, you know, we had a different set of challenges, though. The geese were great, but we did certainly have a different set of challenges out in the the outdoors. Everything from curious bypassers who decide to stop in and ask what we were doing while we were it's taping. <laughs> yeah. um, what? We're, we're rolling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anything about that, you know, the the outdoor elements of shooting that you wanted? Yeah. I mean, you're dealing with the sun that moves and trying to maintain a continuity. We were shooting in open shade, but there were places in the background that were in bright sun. So as the sun would move, it would change that. So we would want to try and adjust the contrast in color correction to reduce some of that brightness in the background so it didn't wash it out. And then there was sound challenges from everything from passing traffic to we ended up stripping out a lot of the background sound and adding back in the sound of geese in the park, which was a a recorded separately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that oh. worked out pretty well, right? And then the uh, the cafe scene, uh, we definitely like felt like the sun was moving double time for that scene. Oh my gosh, yeah! There, you're two of you at the table, and the and the sun just kept moving, and it felt like it was going at rapid pace. But if you know, when 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 I set up a scene that's outdoors, that I mean, that is a given. The sun mm-hmm. is going to move, and so you're trying to set your shot up so that the sun won't be a dramatically different thing. Yeah. But when it's at a lower angle, it you really notice it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we got it to work though. Oh yeah. I do. I do think so. But I just remember the challenge of that. It's like <laughs> I think we, tricky. we kept camera. moving the table so many times. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the the member of the production crew that I think he did show up in some of the behind the scenes photos, but um, Duke, the dog. Oh my God! Yeah, well, he, yeah was he was great. He was he was the, he was the um, production assistant that you know would if you needed something brought back to you, go get it. You know, <laughs> you know like sticks or balls. Yeah, you know, yeah, things, things like, like that. that. <laughs> yeah. I think you took a picture of me wrestling on the rug with him. I yes. Mean, yeah. He was just—I mean, he's a big guy, but he was so—he's so, he, he's so uh, personable, mm-hmm. if I can use that term. Yeah, he was fun to be with. He yeah. lightened up the lightened up the mood. Yep. I do recall at least one scene that that was shot, but we weren't able to use because he wandered through in the background <laughs> at the cafe. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was entertaining as well. And so sort of what what the overall experience was and the potentials are for a piece like this. And you and I have chatted about this, but your thoughts on taking other plays and being able to do this same kind of process for other playwrights or theaters that may want to pursue this kind of experience? Yeah, I think it's especially the idea of taking a play and 
turning it into a film, but not with a super wide. Everybody's a you know, you know, head to toe in 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 the shot, and they uh, they look like little people on the stage far far away. Right. I, I think that the idea, the concept of shooting close and wide, being literally part of the action, the camera was not only an observer but almost a participant in the shot. The viewer who's watching this will feel like they're sitting in the same room right. with the actors. Right. And that, to me, is really where the beauty of this is, that you could take a play that, in this case, because of COVID, couldn't be mounted right then, and you can produce this as a, still telling that story, but telling it in a slightly different, and perhaps, perhaps a more effective way, yeah. um, because of the intimacy. And because you, especially if you have a subject where you want to engage the viewer and make them feel like, pull an emotion and uh, or make them feel like part of the the story, um, and I think this is an ideal, opens up ideal ways to, to do that. Yeah. I love the intimacy factor that you described. And the um, films, theater pieces that I have seen in the past... Pretty much all. I can think of one, which was, um, I think, a BBC production or something. When I was, I don't know, I was like an early teen or something, I saw a production of Cyrano on, you know, it was a staged play, but it had that same kind of intimacy, the same kind of longer scenes. And I loved that so much. I watched it every opportunity I had. I don't even know how many times. But I think that the, you know, so often the film's theater is that distance, you know, yeah, we can see the stage, but we have, we okay, we can hear the words, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, let's, let's get right up on the stage and be in the set. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really, I, I think that the hybrid experience, the theater film hybrid experience is very exciting to me and, and the potential for that. And I, I know that it's happened a little bit more, certainly, you know, in the COVID theater companies trying to find their way to still produce in ways that they can. And I've definitely seen some of that coming out of like Ars Nova Theater in New York uh, doing some of that work. But um, yeah. They have some great programs up there. I think the we, we have to do more of these. I think. I think so too, yeah. All around the world. Oh my goodness, yeah. I'll tell you, the um, that's the other thing with this this type of production. I mean, you can take a stage play and you can take it across the country. You can take it on location. You can take it around the world. Right. And reach audiences that you never might have had the opportunity to reach had it been performed in one location. And I mean, there is the experience of being there as part of it. But if you're sitting in an audience and you're 50 feet from the stage, yeah. that's a good that's a good seat, I think. Right. Uh, if you're sitting 150 feet from the stage, you're not getting the same level of well, I, I shouldn't say that. You may be getting the same level of emotion because that is from what the actors are doing. Mm -hmm. But you may not have the same feeling of intimacy of being a part of it. Right. You're then, you're then 
on the other side of that dis- that divide. Right. There's almost an uh, an access issue. Like you don't have access to the close up information. That's the thing about like when you're in a theater and you're close enough to the actors that you can really see what is happening on their faces, because our faces give us so much information about what's going on. When we're too far away, we start to lose that. So we have less information as a part of our overall experience. And yeah, the, the subtleties, you know, go away. And yeah. uh, and those are the things that kind of really make the experience come to life sometimes. Right. So it's really well-suited for the intimate kind of experience, not for the spectacle, really, but for those pieces where we want to kind of dive in deep to the human experience. Yeah, exactly. Perfect for that. Those subtle nuances of the human expression. Yeah. Let's pause for a moment. We'll be right back. Do you have a book that you imagine with multiple voices or a screenplay or stage play? At Pro Audio Voices, we love working on these more complex productions with music and sound effects and a full cast of voices. Bringing together decades of experience in both theater and audio production, our team brings your project to life. From manuscript preparation, to casting, to directing the actors, and a post-production team to bring it all together, Pro Audio Voices brings your project to life. Learn more at proaudiovoices.com forward slash full dash cast. Now we're going to sort of jump back in history a little bit just for fun. You know, being your sister, I know more of this than probably anybody else that is going to listen to this podcast. So tell us a little bit, if you would, about what got you into filmmaking and what you so love about it. (laughs) Well, let's see. I started out when I was an exchange student, as you know. Um, I got the chance to go to Germany. So I sold my car, bought a camera. And uh, went to Germany for a year and a half and took pictures and met people. And I traveled all over Europe. I went, we went to a summer course. And then after that summer course, I began to go visit, you know, the friends that I had made in that summer course. And they came from all, all over Europe. So I'd go spend three weeks in France. I'd go spend uh, three weeks in Italy. I'd go, you know, and I traveled all over the place. and. So sociology became my my major. And I think basically that kind of changed the whole course of my life. Well, I know the photography did because when I came back, that's what I continued to do. I worked my way through the rest of college as a commercial photographer at self-taught because there was so much to learn, you know. And I, I learned how to develop film, which got me a job working for a company doing big slideshows for big companies. And and then after I taught school for two years, realized that photography was really what I wanted to do. But there was one experience I had, and this was, I was still in college. I went to visit a cerebral palsy school, and I walked into a classroom of about, oh, I guess, eight or ten kids. And my first visual impression was these children were bent and twisted and broken and folded into wheelchairs, and they had braces and devices on them and clamps and and it looked horrifying and then i realized that the children were laughing and playing and having a great time learning so 
this was very early. The video did not exist. So, I, and I, but I, I shot with eight millimeter film and, and 35 millimeter slides. And I put together a program that was about how much fun the kids had in school. And, um, I used the voice of one of the children who could speak for the audio track. And he read the words of one of the other students who was unable to speak because of his cerebral palsy, but had written out a message. And I played this video about these happy kids to a group of uh, women and a small group, you know, eight or 10 people in the, in the room again. I think they raised something like $800 in the, this was in the 70s, mm. which was a lot of money yeah. in, in the 70s. And, but they got it. And, and um, so I realized that the, the power of telling a positive story and, and people like, people want to support things that are successful. So when I do work for nonprofits and I'm trying to help them raise funds, we want to show that the, they're supporting something that's successful. So hungry children is very sad. But why would you want to throw your money at something that's a problem that's going to never end? And yet you want to support the hungry children. Right. So what the solution or the challenge is to show positive things that are helping that so that you can be part of that. Um, and maybe that was a bad example, but you know what I mean. You, we've all seen these commercials of the, the, the poor you know, pets or, or abandoned animals and, right. and there's hungry children and there's a thousand... You know, they want to tug at your heartstrings, and but it makes you feel bad. But you think, gosh, I'd be pouring pouring whatever I donate down into a never-ending bottomless pit that that has no solution. So I try to find ways to 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 tell the story in a positive light and to show what an impact can be made when somebody you know gets engaged. Right, right, yeah. Because it's like if we're seeing images of hopelessness. Mm-hmm makes us feel hopeless yeah yeah, so, yeah and if we see images of or are feeling that that energy that emotion of of hope and and joy and and in the context of yes there's need here too but that's what we want to see more of a perfect example is the trenton area soup kitchen right, which i'm involved with and we have a lot of hungry people people who are very needy our neighbors who are very needy but the images that we show are them playing music and, and writing poetry and getting a good meal and learning and getting improving their education and getting a job because these are all outcomes of being in an environment that is supportive and caring and focused on achieving results. Right. So everybody wants to support that. Right. It's very yeah. easy to ask for contributions because people want to support things like that. Right. I think what you're, I love what you're highlighting here, which is the impact that we can have with the storytelling that we do. And, you know, you're, you obviously are doing this with many of the projects that you're working on with the nonprofits. It is also a part of what is important about Cola Voce is that it is a message about how we can get through traumatic stress. And come out on the other side and feel whole again. Yeah, it's beyond coping. It's about healing. Yeah, yeah. 
And to me, that is probably the biggest driver for me in terms of my own work with stories and audiobooks and, you know, how we can bring these these stories forward, how we can help the story to have a bigger life, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's not bringing it to life, but it's helping it to achieve a another plane of existence where yeah. Yeah, people can have a different way of interacting and, and, and understanding it. Yeah. Stories. You introduced me to a, an audio book when when I saw you out in California last time, and that was an amazing experience. I loved listening to that story being told to me. It was the the characters came to life, and so I know how powerful just that audio component was in bringing that book to life. Yeah, but then. You know, if you take something that's a play where you can add one more element, yeah, I, I think it can be very powerful. Yeah, I do too. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say it was really, uh, for our listeners, just to let you know that, so Jim's been building his company, Riverview Studios, on the East Coast, and I've been building Pro Audio Voices on the West Coast. And you know, we, for many years, you know, we were just like both so busy with our own companies. You know, we didn't have that much interaction, especially in the business context. And it's only, it's only recently that we've kind of like given ourselves a shake and going, hey, you know, we should be working together more. It was really exciting, delightful, fulfilling, many more adjectives. <laughs> to have this opportunity to work as a team with you and also now to be finding more ways in which our audiobook clients may be able to extend their message, their impact by working, you know, with video in ways that you can help them and and to be working with with um with some of your clients that may be looking for, you know, expanding their reach and reaching because we're reaching different audiences. You know, when we're in the audiobook world, we're reaching audiobook listeners, you know, which is a growing audience, but it is also a kind of uh, a filter, right, of the larger audience. It's one component. And video film is, of course, reaching another, an additional audience piece. Okay, so let's sort of going back again to a little history piece. The beginning of Riverview Studios. This was, now I don't even remember when you got your original, the warehouse that you have turned into this incredible space. April of 1990. There you go. And it was just a dirty, dingy, messed up warehouse, right? And now it's this phenomenal uh, TV film studio. Tell us a little bit about that process. Oh my, yeah. Well, when the building came on the market, it was a beautiful factory. And I'd never seen the inside of it. Never seen the inside. I'd seen the outside. And it was a great location because it's located right on the riverbank and it's very close to my home so I can walk there. It's a beautiful uh, setting. So when it came on the market, I found out the morning that it, it was listed. And my first call was to my banker. And I said, hey, I need a down payment uh, for a building. And this was, was in 1990. You could still get a loan on a signature. 
Yeah. And so he, it was not, you know, he was a reasonable amount. It wasn't too much. So he, I got the down payment. And that afternoon I called the realtor and I said, I'd like to purchase the, the, the property. He says, well, when would you like to look at it? And I said, no, 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 I don't care to look at it. I just, <laughs> I've got the down payment. <laughs> See, I've got the down payment. We went, I'm making an offer. And he said, what are you offering? I said, I'm offering what you're asking, the asking price. And um, so I, I, we did the deal and I got it. And I beat out a few other people. Thank goodness. I, yeah. uh, and it turned out, yeah, it was a beat up old factory like I expected. <laughs> um, but through barter and through sweat equity, and uh, I learned an awful lot about renovation. Yeah. We removed the attic, which was about two inches deep in coal soot. We removed the second floor, which was just skimmed my head as I walked underneath it because it was a little too low. <laughs> and we opened it up and I spent two weeks stapling polyethylene over all the old beams and rafters so that they wouldn't be hurt. And then I sprayed cellulose insulation on the roof, on the underside of the roof to for sound deadening and for insulation. And so we kept the, the look of the old rafters, erected a few shop vacs, cleaning up the coal soot from the attic. <laughs> um, all the walls were stuccoed over with, with stucco, and I, oh. I removed the stucco one brick at a time wow. with, a, with a chisel and exposed all the brick, and then I sealed it with six coats of sealers. It's new floor, yeah. put an epoxy floor down. I bartered that. Yeah, we... Um, we, we we ended up with a pretty nice space. Yeah, and what's your what's your square footage? I mean, what do you do you know about um, what approximately? Gosh, that's a good question. Well, I know the footprint of the building, we've got two floors, and the footprint of the building is seventy by thirty-five, and then we've got eighty by eighty. I'm sorry, um forty by forty-two by forty-two, and then I've got two areas that are twenty by twenty, so that's forty by forty. So 1,600, 1,600 is 3,200, and 7,000 is 21,000, 5,000, about 7,000 7 to 8,000 square yeah. feet. Yeah, okay. yeah, just to give people a, a sort of a rough idea of the, the, the size of what we're talking about. Um, 100, yeah. 100 foot long and about 40 foot wide on the, on the average. Right, yeah. It was, it was two old factory buildings where the debrisway in the middle became the lobby. And so now you're, you're running... Like regular TV shows in yeah, in the space. Yeah. So for for a number of years, I did uh, two shows a week for New Jersey Public Television. They were public affairs shows. We were running uh, period a lot of other programming. I was at one point, I think we were doing on an average of two hundred, in excess of two hundred broadcast shows per year, which kept us pretty busy. And then COVID hit and we started doing everything much more virtually. So we were doing virtual events instead of live events. Mm -hmm. But our nonprofit clients did so well with those that they kept coming back for more. So now as we're starting to go back into the live event mode, mm -hmm. you know, we're still keeping a lot of the, uh, the benefits of, of the virtual things that we've done. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... Um, takes a look and it keeps on ticking no, that's not it it's uh <laughs> you, you, <laughs> yeah. yeah you get through <laughs> you get through you keep on keep on yeah keep, take another step yeah take another step and yeah. then uh, next thing you know uh, you've walked a mile yeah 
And I think that's exactly what, you know, sort of circling us back to Colovoce and what we did there is is really to, you know, to sit with where we were, take a look at what was possible and made a plan and pulled it off. Uh, just really excited to be able to share that with the world. And um, so we're using a, a platform called Viewsee for that showing, and there will be a world premiere, but then there will the show will also continue to be available for on-demand viewing on that platform. So it will give us the opportunity to reach a lot of people, let the the word spread from those who view the show to then, you know, be able to share it with others. But again, it was like such a great experience. And, and, we're, and we're continuing, although the the production is done, you know, now we're, you know, sort of into the marketing piece and you just created that trailer for it. So yeah, it's been a great experience. And I look forward to the next one, when, whenever that is, whoever ever it turns up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've got an idea for a script. <laughs> All right. All right. There we go. Great. So Jim, thanks again so much for being here and hanging out with me. It has been really, really fun. Always fun to hang out with you, Becky. And for our listeners who would like to find the information about the performance of Cola Voce, you can go to proaudiovoices.com slash cola hyphen voce. That's C-O-L-L-A hyphen V-O-C-E. And there is a link there for purchasing tickets as well as more information and behind the scenes, as well as images from the filming. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for joining us for Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. Please take a moment to subscribe at audiobookconnection.com. The podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Learn more at ProAudioVoices.com. Again, thanks for being with us, and please join us next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.